0: Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Influenza, the podcast about YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, online video creation in general, as well as the personalities and industry that surrounds it. I'm your host, John Wolfe, and uh, if you're wondering who I am, well, I introduced myself last week, but I guess I'll do it again. I've been doing this for about 15 years, eight years full-time, and... I created this podcast so I could share my insights and commentary. (laughs) Hopefully level-headed and valuable insights and commentary. I decided I'm going to do a new format for this episode. Last week, I pretty much just talked about one topic, and that kind of dominated the whole show. But this week, I was thinking, it might be better to do something a little more structured and... I wasn't inspired by this, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of similar to if you've ever seen Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He spends about half of the episode going over news and bits, current events, and then the second half, sometimes the second two-thirds really, is uh, about like a main topic, a main story. So I'm going to try that this week. We'll see. It might not be a permanent fixture, but I'm going to try it. So... I have some news to talk about regarding mostly streaming and stuff that we talked about last week because there have been developments. But then I had a main topic that I wanted to talk about to bring it all together. And the main topic is, do big creators with young audiences have a responsibility to, well, I mean, I guess the part in parentheses is uh, to be a good example. (laughs) 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 and to not try to take advantage of them, right? Uh, So, because I was looking at some of the, the big stories this week, and I noticed that that was kind of a theme for some of them, to me, at least. So I thought I would talk about it. Let's talk about, first, last week we mentioned Aiden Ross, big Twitch streamer, almost 8 million followers, who was plugging competing streaming platform kick quite a bit well he's now banned on twitch who could have seen that coming almost seems like if you stream on twitch and you spend the entire stream advertising a competitor that twitch might not like that very much but anyway that's not really that big of a deal honestly because he was playing on streaming on kick to begin with but he said something interesting. Uh, there is a guy on Twitter named Jake Lucky who reports a lot on big streamers, esports, stuff like that. Kind of, kind of, kind of a tabloid thing, but I don't know. He doesn't seem like a bad guy. I don't know him, but he recently went on Aiden Ross's stream with Trainwreck, another character that we mentioned last week, to talk about stuff. Now I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw some clips. I was like. I'm not going to sit there for hours of this, of these guys. I can't stand it, but I'll, 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 I'll look for the clips. So I watched some of the clips. The one that stuck out to me the most was at one point, Jake asked Aiden what his average age of an audience member was. And I found the answer very interesting. So Aiden went ahead and said on record, I noticed that train wrecks during this part got up to, to leave the room. (laughs) I don't know if that was to avoid having an opinion on the topic, or, or maybe he just had to go. But Aiden theorized that the average age of his viewers was 20, 21, 22, early 20s. And I just was blown away by that, because clearly to me, the average age of an audience member for him is like 13 and that's the case with a lot of these big streamers. It's, it's a lot of tweens and teens. Specifically teenage boys. Now, I don't really understand the reason for this phenomenon. But it's something I've noticed over the years. It's not just Aiden that thinks this. It's not just Aiden. One of the biggest creators in the entire world, Mr. Beast. If you're not familiar with Mr. Beast, like I said... Yeah, He's not just one of the biggest creators in the entire world. He is the biggest online creator in the entire world. Fastest-growing YouTuber for a number of years now. His videos average 100 to 200 million views per video. And I'm not making that up. Those are real numbers. Nobody's coming close to that. And, uh, well, he's something of a phenomenon. Recently, a couple weeks ago, February 20th, 2022... 2023, it's 2023, not 2022. I messed up. He, he, he issued a poll on his Twitter, and he asked, how old are you? That was it. He wanted to see what the average age of his audience was. And apparently, it's 40% 10 to 20 years old, and a little over 40% 21 to 30. So then he replied to his poll and he said, looks like the average age is 21 to 30, (laughs) which I thought was so funny again, because I'm like, it's a difference of less than 1% between 10 to 20 and 21 to 30. And I guarantee you that the 21 to 30 section is, is much heavier on the early twenties than it is the late twenties. Certainly not 30, but again, Twitter is an older audience, which is where he was asking it. It's like, How about you ask that same question on YouTube? You're going to get a much different answer. And this is something that I've noticed with a lot of creators dating way back. A lot of creators that have very young audiences tend to deny that they have this age of audience. Notoriously, uh, I remember seeing an interview with Jake Paul back during his peak years ago. If you're not familiar with Jake Paul, notorious youtuber turned boxer now celebrity boxer now um he oh how to to describe jake paul it's like lowest common denominator youtuber you know he just did a lot of you know rambunctious things early 20s guy a lot of that early 20s energy he's all about the grind owning a lambo you know, he made a whole song about it called My Teachers Never Taught Me That. How to make my paper stack. How to buy a Lambo cash. <laughs> I remember the lyrics. It made an impression on me. So, yeah, Jake Paul, you know, brother of Logan Paul, the uh, guy who filmed himself in the Japanese suicide forest that made national headlines, international headlines even. He had an interview just a couple of years ago. I remember seeing a, a Nerd City video on it which is a very good video if you're looking for a rundown on Jake Paul. And he was asked a similar question of like, what do you think the average age of your viewers is? And I can't remember exactly what he guessed. I think he guessed something like 16, 17. Which is funny because the average age of his audience was proven to be much, much younger than that. Below teenage uh, age. and. You know, like I said, this is something that's been going on for a long time with a lot of different creators that hit it big on these platforms. And they, it's like they don't seem to understand. They're in denial about the fact that they have a lot of young viewers. Very young. Take me for example. I have a much older audience. And that's something I've been very sensitive to and, like, definitely want to double check. I can tell because a lot of the comments that I get are properly spelled. I can tell, however, sometimes when a video pops off on my YouTube channel, I'll know because all of a sudden I'll start getting a lot of little kids with Five Nights at Freddy's avatars commenting, misspelling very common words and things like that, not using punctuation, posting like paragraph long run on sentences that don't make any sense, you know, and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is a nine-year-old right here. Because generally the comments that I get are from adults. You know, you just kind of learn over the years how to tell the difference. But like, you go to the comments section of an average Mr. Beast video. And it's it's like stepping into a kindergarten over there. It's like, how can you possibly think that you have an older audience, right? And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because there's a topic that I wanted to broach of do creators like this with younger audiences have a responsibility to be a good role model to these kids? Because it seems like if you were to ask them, they would say no, (laughs) or they would say yes. But then their idea of being a role model is very different from maybe the definition that you you or I would give another hot topic news item in the same vein this past week was uh, actually this past weekend, very recent, was that Mr. Beast tweeted about his new Feastable candy bars. So Mr. Beast has been expanding beyond just videos lately. He has his Mr. Beast Burger chain restaurant. He's got the Feastables candy bars, which I'm not really sure why they're called Feastables. Is there some reason they aren't called Beastables or something? Beast Feast? Just seems like a missed opportunity to, to not have Beast in the name. Because if I think Feastables, I don't think Mr. Beast unless I see the logo or unless I already recognize it as his candy bar. But anyway, look at me doing free advertising for him. So he tweeted about these candy bars. I guess he was, I don't know if he was at Walmart or he just had a photo from one of his uh, team members at Walmart or Target or something like that. And they showed these Feastables candy bars in the display on the candy aisle. And it was in disarray horror of horrors. The Mr. Beast Feastable candy bars were, were splayed out everywhere and they weren't being properly shown, uh, displayed like the Hershey candy bars next to them. And so he, he took to Twitter and he said, hey, could you do me a favor? And if you see this at the grocery store or wherever else that you find Feastables candy bars, if you could just clean it up a little bit and make it look nice. And then he showed a photo of what he meant of the candy bars, you know, all perfectly upright uh, Organized properly In rows Looking just like you know They would in commercials or something And this proved to be A very controversial tweet Because basically What he's doing is he's asking Ordinary people To do free labor for him And to potentially Mess things up For people that actually work at these retail stores And I wish I could say I was surprised, but this is just the latest in a long line of Mr. Beast transgressions for me. I've been very—I've been wanting to speak out against Mr. Beast for a long time, but I just feel like there's never been a good opportunity. I feel like like I've been feeling this way for years about Mr. Beast. I see things like this, and I'm like, I don't know about all that, but you know, for years and years, uh, I just haven't said anything publicly about it because he's so popular. It's like. I'll just get shouted out of the room, right? But this is a safe space for me. <laughs> so, anyway. One thing that I found particularly troubling about this is that he's got to know. The, the, the poll notwithstanding and him saying, like, I guess the average age of my audience is 21 to 30 years old. That notwithstanding, he's got to know that his, the average age of his viewers is very young. And kids are... Willing to do pretty much anything for their favorite YouTuber. So him saying this, he's basically getting a lot of free child labor. <laughs> that's mostly a joke, but it's also kind of true. And that's, that's a little bit, uh, little bit troubling, isn't it? Because it brings us back to the topic that I was bringing up of does he have a responsibility, knowing that he has a young audience, to not tweet stuff like this, frankly. And I think the answer is, unequivocally, yes. You know, we hear this a lot of the time um, from from very famous people. They tend to attract kids. The more famous you are, the more kids are impressed by you, especially these days uh, with social media. And, I mean, kids love looking at follower counts. Trust me, they love looking at sub-counts. And uh, if kids ever discover a video of mine that they don't like, their go-to insult is that I don't even have a million subscribers on YouTube. So they're they're very leaned in and tuned in to follower counts, who's the most famous, who's hot right now, who's topping the the trending list or, you know, things like that. And Mr. Beast is at the top of all those lists. Kids will do anything for him. They want to they all want to be Mr. Beast. They buy Mr. Beast merchandise. He's their idol, and if he asks them to do some free retail work for him, by God, they're going to do it, and it's troubling. It's not the worst thing he can ask them to do, but it does exhibit some tone-deaf behavior on his part, which this isn't the first time this has happened. I remember um, a few months ago, I was pretty put off by this, um... Mr. Beast made a mall appearance because they were opening, I think it was a Mr. Beast burger chain in the mall. It might have been like a Mr. Beast cookie stand or something. I don't know. But he said, he said uh, not only was the store opening, but he was going to be there in person. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You, You can't possibly be thinking about doing that. And then, of course, he did. And there were all these videos that came out of the mall going from, you know, maybe 200 people in it at normal hours to 20,000. Packed wall to wall. People in the mall just going trying to do their jobs. Like Urban Outfitters or Forever 21 having to put up with all these Screaming eight-year-olds in Mr. Beast shirts. Shoulder-to-shoulder packed like sardines. Because he, of course, he did show up to the mall. And uh, that's what happens. Traffic jams. All sorts of problems. Inconvenience for these minimum wage workers. But it was all worth it for the publicity stunt, wasn't it? And it's, this, it's this type of like tone-deaf um, publicity stunt kind of Flaunting that I have an issue with, and this uh, whole Feastables debacle is the latest thing with it. I feel like it wouldn't be that big of a deal if it wasn't all kids, because kids, you know, they're kids; (laughs) they're not adults. I feel like I'm just stating really obvious things right now, but they're they're obviously if you if you pack twenty thousand kids into a place, it's going to be different than packing twenty thousand adults. Well, well, hopefully. We've all seen the Black Friday videos. But anyway. To bring it back to my point was. um, Big creators like this. Have a responsibility. You can't just. You can't just do normal things anymore. That's what comes to the territory. You want to be mega famous. You want to have. You know 8 million followers. On Twitch. Make streams with uh, LeBron James and stuff. Well congrats on the fame. But. What also comes with it is now you have a lot of eight-year-olds out there looking up to you. So when you do things like stream yourself watching porn on Kick, for example, Aiden Ross, or similar things, or, or say, ugh, he, made a, he made a video recently titled, um, Aiden Ross did, at least not Mr. Beast. He made a video recently, the title was, uh, there are only two genders. And it's like, you have a responsibility with all these kids watching you. You're, you're, you are a children's entertainer, Aiden Ross. You are a children's entertainer, Mr. Beast. And with that comes responsibility. You can, obviously, you know, it's a free country, you can shirk the responsibility all you want, but then don't be surprised when you get some backlash. All I'm saying I guarantee, because right, right now this Feastables thing with Mr. Beast is well, it's not going over too well. And I guarantee Mr. Beast is surprised by this. Because a lot of times with these big creators at the top, they're so in their own world that they don't understand the, the daily lives of normal people anymore. And they kind of get caught up in just their own stuff so much that they don't stop to think about these things. It's an unfortunate side effect of all this fame and money, but I don't think there's much more tone deaf that you could do as a multi, multi, multi millionaire than ask people to retail work for your candy bar product for free. Specifically, all the eight year olds in Mr. Beast shirts <laughs> that are playing as your Fortnite skin in Fortnite on the weekend. All right, I think we've pretty easily answered the question in the title of the episode. Do big creators have responsibility? The answer is yes. Wow, what a shock, right? But what about more everyday creators? What about people like you and me? What responsibility do we have? Should we, should we stop cussing, stop swearing, stop stop dropping the f bomb? Because hey, there somewhere out there, there may be an eight-year-old watching. And I think the answer to that completely depends on what type of content you're making and who your target demographic is. For a lot of people on YouTube, whether they realize it or not, their target demographic is 8-year-olds. A lot of gaming channels, I think, don't realize this. I've seen so many big gaming channels out there that when you look at the stuff they upload, it's Minecraft, it's Roblox, it's Fortnite. There's not a there's not an M-rated game in sight. They censor themselves because they don't want to get demonetized on YouTube, right? So they don't curse. Maybe they even put on kind of more of a child-friendly voice. And I feel like it's looked upon a lot of the time as, well, this is just what you do as a YouTuber. This is the type of content that really makes it on the trending page and and goes viral and and gets more followers. Is this style of content. It's kind of looked at as a, as a style of content really. I think sometimes. People get really caught up in that. And they don't realize that what they're doing. Is they're making a kids show. So what, what responsibility. What responsibility do those people have? And I think. I think it's just. It's something you've got to be aware of. Like for my channel for example. For my YouTube channel. I play. I, I'm Like my. My videos are decidedly not aimed at children. I still have children watching me against my will. (laughs) You know, I I appreciate, you know, I appreciate anybody that watches. But, you know, when I make videos, I don't have kids in mind. I have adults. So I make a lot of old man references. You know, I play mostly M-rated games. I swear, I you know, generally act like I would around my adult friends and peers. I don't act like I would uh, when I'm with my niece and nephew who are, you know, less than 10 years old. I completely, I, I put on a different voice when I'm around them. I don't swear. You know, I, I laugh at their jokes. If I'm, if I'm playing a game and there's some little kid character that makes a, a joke... I'll probably just say like, well, that was a stupid thing to say in the video. Right, my point is completely different personality, completely different demographic. But, uh, you know, I think you just need to look at your own content and decide like, is this really for kids? Like genuinely look at it and be like, even if it's not intended for kids, am I creating it in a way that's mostly appealing to children? Which is an easy trap to fall into. And it's it's not so much a trap. I don't mean that when I say trap. It's, it's, it's an easy, um, unintended position to put yourself in, I'll say, because like I said, a lot of the most popular content on YouTube is geared towards kids. And it's fine if you want to do that. You know, I know plenty of, I've, I know, I know plenty of YouTubers, a lot of whom are my friends who really excel at that because they're good role models is the key. You know they they don't swear in their videos. They play stuff like Roblox and Minecraft and and these things that are aimed towards children, right? But then they're they're good people. They don't do things like load up their stream and say let's go straight to Pornhub. <laughs> they don't do things like uh, I'm gonna ask my audience to rearrange the candy bars at the retail store. They they have proper responsibility and they have perspective on things. I remember hanging out with one of my friends actually um at a convention one time. And I would say that they're a family-friendly YouTuber. I won't say who they are, but they're very they're very popular. And I remember um we were just like hanging out and um they had some younger fans come up to them and be like, "Oh, are you so and so?" and they were like, "Yeah," and they took a picture and then the kids walked off, and I remember afterwards, they were talking to me about it, and they were like, did you hear those kids swearing? They were swearing a lot, and I was like, oh, well, I guess now that you mention it, yeah, they were kinda dropping a lot of F-bombs while they were talking to you. And um, yeah, my friends seemed pretty bothered by that, because like I said, they're a, they're a family-friendly channel. And that's always kinda stuck out to me, as like, that's the type, that's the type of attitude that you should have that's the type of you know concern that you should show, because even though you know, for example, like I said, I, I aim my content squarely at adults. I'm sitting there making friends references, you know, all this millennial crap. You know, I, I I generally I generally I think I go out of my way sometimes to make my content unappealing to children because I'm so against the idea of having to like cater to them. Um, But it's uh, I I get concerned, too, because I remember I played Five Nights at Freddy's, the game, before it blew up, before it became this worldwide beloved by children phenomenon, back when it was just an indie horror game. And so, of course, you know, I played through the whole thing, and I was swearing up a storm, you know, just acting like I normally do, because I was looking at it as like, this is a game for adults. It's a horror game. It's, it's scary. Kids wouldn't like this. And of course, this is before kids started liking that. Uh, and then I remember like, some of these videos got millions of views. And I would have all these angry parents in my comments. And they would be lecturing me about things. Because, and, and they would come at it from the perspective of, Well, you make videos on video games. So therefore, you're a children's entertainer. And you have a responsibility to, uh, you know, to make sure that you're a good example and that you're not swearing in front of my kids. And I was just like, man, that is not how I see it at all. (laughs) I completely disagree with you. And, uh, you know, I didn't handle it very well at the time because, you know, I was in my early 20s. You tend to want to fight everyone in your early 20s. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the case with me So I wanted to fight them But looking back I'm like You know I still don't think that they were right But I think I probably could have handled it a little better Looking back Because they're, you know They're not right overall And they said a lot of things that were wrong Like you know just because you make videos on video games Doesn't mean that you're making videos aimed at children Which is a hard lesson YouTube As a platform had to learn Over many years They got that wrong for a long time too but you know, you're. Uh, it's it's definitely something to think about, because the more famous you get, the more viewers that you get, the more likely that you're gonna start attracting children. Because even if you make, even if you make content that's more aimed at adults, if it's aimed at adults, but it's very popular, kids are attracted to numbers. They're attracted to big follower counts, big view counts. Like, whoa, this guy! Everybody loves this guy! Things are happening here. You know what it's like to be a kid. You know, you're you're not uh, you're not so much have figured out your own personality, uh, so you look for role models. And um, for a lot of kids, their parents are the role models, or their older siblings, or an older friend, maybe. Uh, for a lot of them, it's celebrities, specifically online celebrities. So I think I think even even run the mill people like me and you. If you're if you're listening and you're a creator, uh, you know it's something to keep in mind. It's not something to ignore. I don't think that you should obsess over it, but you should definitely be aware of it if it's happening to you. Like I said with my friend, they were hyper aware of it, which I thought was very respectable. And you know, with guys like Mr. Beast and Aiden Ross, I'm like, you have no idea, do you? You think you're making videos for twenty year olds, and I kind of get their point because they probably hear from 20 year olds the most because a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys have completely shut down public feedback. So you know how I'm, how I talked about how I'm always in the comments of my videos and I can tell when a video pops off because suddenly I'll get all these FNAF avatars with misspelled paragraph, long run on sentence comments. These guys, I guarantee aren't in that. They, they aren't looking at comments like that. They've got everything locked down. They don't have open DMs, to be fair, neither do I, but they're, they're out of touch with their own community. If they stream, the chat's moving so fast they can't even read anything. I mean, they don't, they don't know how many kids are watching because they don't pay attention. But when they have communication with other people um, about their content, it's usually other creators or industry types who are all adults. Like Mr. Beast. How many times do you think Mr. Beast walks around like. I don't know. I don't even know if he, he probably doesn't even go to VidCon or anything like that. But he probably gets swarmed by other creators. I see it happen every single time he, tw- he, he tweets on Twitter. He gets sworn by other creators, other people. Because, you know, kids aren't the only ones that are attracted to big view counts and big, big follower counts. Other creators are 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 as well. They're like sharks in the water. And they they smell blood, they come running. Well, sharks don't run. You know, they come swimming real fast like sharks do. Very sharks are very fast swimmers and uh Yeah, these content creators, they swim fast if they can. They sniff some clout in the water. I remember um You know, the the whole time when Mr. Beast was really on the rise, it's like all these content creators on social media were like, oh my God, Mr. Beast is killing it. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not not saying there's anything wrong with being an adult and liking Mr. Beast, because there's plenty of you out there. I don't want to completely alienate you by saying it's only kids. Hey, I like Mr. Beast. I watched that Squid Game video. I watched some Mister. I've watched some Mr. Beast videos and I've been entertained by them. They're 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 well produced, entertaining videos. But I'm saying it does get annoying. <laughs> it does get a little annoying. Anyway, what was I saying? Right. This is um. You know, this is not just Mr. Beast, but a lot of these big creators. If you're a big creator, other creators know who you are. You know, it's uh. I think it's something that's exhibited with stuff like the Streamer Awards. Which is coming up next week, the Streamer Awards. We got to talk about that at the end. A lot of people on the on these award nomination lists, you may not know who they are, but when it comes to Streamer of the Year, I mean, these guys are these guys are on, on everybody's radar. That's uh, that's serious about the industry anyway, and uh, you know those are the people that you generally hear from if you got everything locked down at the top. You know, you're on Twitter. You got your verified only tab. One of the perks of being verified. You can change your feed to where it's only other people that are verified. <laughs> you don't have to deal with the rabble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm never paying for Twitter Blue, so I'll never experience that. But I imagine it's nice. Some, or maybe it used to be before Twitter Blue. Before anybody could just get it. Back when it was more just favoritism. Which is basically what it was. I've seen I've seen so many people that got like before Twitter Blue that were verified that I was like, How'd you pull that off? No offense. How'd you do that? Most of the time they knew somebody. But it's really easy for these guys to build an echo chamber. And a lot of times when you do that, you're kind of deluded about your own material, especially when you're spending so much time working that you don't really spend much time reflecting anymore. Like, I think, you know, I don't know, but it seems like guys like Mr. Beast are constantly, constantly working to the point where they don't have any time to sit back and look at things anymore. They're just keeping the ball rolling. And there's obviously, obviously something to be said about that. They're much more successful than I'll ever be. They're 100 times, 1,000 times more successful than I'll ever be at this. Uh, or or you, <laughs> for that matter. You know what? It's not just me, okay? You'll never be that successful either, okay? But yeah, I think that's part of what contributes to the delusion here. Because I look at, I mean, like I said, all it takes is looking at one video's comment section to realize it, this is a bunch of eight, nine-year-olds, 11-year-olds out there that are watching these guys, watching their every move and taking lessons from it. Unintended lessons, sure, sometimes, but lessons nevertheless. And I do think they have a responsibility to pay attention to that and, you know, maybe think things through a little bit before they tweet or before they stream something. I think streaming is like a little more difficult not to defend not to defend the streamers too much, but when things are happening in the moment, it can be a little more difficult to uh, get a handle on things than with things that are pre-written and pre-planned like Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, right? If you screw up on stream, um, it's, it's really hard to backpedal that or erase it from history. Like, when I'm recording this podcast, I could say anything. And then I could edit it out if I didn't like it. If I said it and then be like, ooh, that didn't feel good to say. Or, oh, people might take that the wrong way. I could just cut it out. And then it's like, it never happened. But you can't really do that when you're streaming. Again, not to defend them too much. Just bring up a different aspect of the, of the service that they provide us. And I, think that's, I think I've pr- thoroughly exhausted that topic now. We we pose the hard questions on this podcast, and we answer them almost immediately with the with the easy obvious answer, and then I go into way too much uh, in depth analysis on it. I'll get better at this as I go along. Let's talk about the streamer awards though. That's coming up before the next episode, so we'll we get to talk about the streamer awards next week. Ooh! So if you're not familiar with the streamer awards, this is. Uh, Well, obviously, it's an award ceremony for streamers, right? But there's several of those. What makes this one different is that it's put on by streamers, specifically one named Cutie Cinderella, who is... uh, Well, she's a longtime streamer. I actually haven't really watched much of her content. I think she mostly does just chatting. (laughs) Let me check that real quick. I'm familiar with Ludwig, who is her partner, but... And he mostly does just chatting stuff. Uh, React content, things like that. Cutie Cinderella, she yeah, just chatting. Over three thousand hours streamed of that. Next most popular is League of Legends. Ooh, seven hundred eighty hours of League of Legends. Well, she streamed League of Legends just the other day. So I guess not just just chatting, but uh, a little bit of League as well. Couple hours every stream it looks like. Play a game, not bad. But yeah, mostly just chatting which tends to be, it seems like you get to a certain point with streaming to where you just are like, it's just me now. (laughs) Nothing to distract you from me. Hey, I've been trying to do that too, so I'm right in there with him. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But anyway, she hosts the Streamer Awards, which started just a couple years ago, actually. When did it start? 2019, I want to say, or 2020? I don't know does it matter there have been other like streamer awards in the past but they've been more like overall content creation so they've included youtube and you know for for a time vine and stuff like that talking about the streamies and the shorties are the two i can think of and typically youtubers kind of sweep these categories your, uh, your David Dobrik's and and those types. Ugh, David Dobrik. Uh, so the streamer awards was kind of made for it's just like, you know what, it's just streamers for this. People who do long form live streams, mostly on Twitch, but also on competing platforms. And uh, it's been, you know, I'm never gonna be nominated for an award on there, or or much less win one. But when I look at the nominations, I'm like, okay, well, this makes a little more sense than why I see it, the streamies or shorties. Because when I see the streamies or the shorties nomination list, I'm just like, who? What? It's, it's all this, like, I mean, you talk about children's entertainers. That's pretty much all it is at those things. Maybe not the shorties so much, but the streamies definitely. Uh, I'm, not saying, I'm not trying to take anything away from people that have won a Streamy, But just typically when I see their nomination lists, I'm like, it's all these, you know, the oldest person on there is like twenty two <laughs> like of any nomination. that's actually that's actually kind of similar with the streamer awards, but I feel like it's a little more, I don't know, I feel like it's a little more fair. And uh it's as fair as an award ceremony in this industry can possibly be, considering how clicky it is, because uh, a lot of the streamer awards, it's like, well there's just certain people that deserve to be nominated that won't be but anyway let's take a quick look through the streamer awards nomination list shall we just a quick one like i said it's coming up so uh we'll be able to take a look back at the results i'm gonna do some predictions actually that might be kind of fun all right so i just went through all the categories i actually voted for a lot of them recently voting is closed now unfortunately So they're tallying them. Although um, the way that winners are decided for the streamer awards are at 70% voting and 30% panelists. So they've got kind of these super delegates, if you will, that uh, will greatly influence the winners. Which is interesting. I guess it's to prevent it from being gamed. But at the same time, kind of feel like the will of the people should be honored a little bit. It does mean that the more popular streamer will usually win. But that's just kind of how this stuff works. So I'm not going to go through every category because there's like 25 of them. I'll just go through the ones that pique my interest. Okay? So like this best MMORPG streamer, which I'm not really interested in. I'm rooting against Asmongold is all I'll say. Best Souls-like streamer. Miss Mika is nominated. If you're not familiar with her, she's done a lot of crazy things. Like uh, she's beaten Elden Ring with like a DDR pad or some, some really creative, interesting things. Uh, she's the per- right person I'm thinking of, right? Distortion 2, Lobos Jr., and Lil Aggie are also nominated. Um, but yeah, I think Miss Mika should definitely win this one. There's Best Art Streamer which is kind of... I think this is probably going to be the Rubber Ross versus Meat Canyon category, but who knows? I think Meat Canyon's probably going to win that one. Best Strategy Game Streamer. Best Chess Streamer, which I'm pretty invested in, actually. Best Chess Streamer. uh, You got Botez Live, who's actually uh, two sisters who are very good at chess and very entertaining. And then you've got GM Hikaru, who's a Grandmaster at chess and arguably one of the best players in the world. Uh, Anna Kramling and Gotham Chess. Uh, I, think, I think the Botez sisters might take this one. We'll see. I'll definitely be rooting for them, though. Best League of Legends streamer, which I'm not interested in at all. Best Battle Royale streamer, which, again, I'm not really interested in at all. Best Music streamer, which will... I'd be surprised if T-Pain didn't win this one because he's nominated. Yeah, if you didn't know, T-Pain streams. He's very good at it, too. I haven't seen him stream music, but I've seen him stream Call of Duty. He's very good at that. Uh, He's very good at, you know, being entertaining. Best FPS streamer. Best speedrun streamer. Hidden gem award. Now, this is an interesting one. It's kind of a, they tossed a bone to the normies with this one. (laughs) Hidden Gem Award, I believe it's like, in order to get nominated, you have to have less than 100 average uh, viewers. So on this award, we've got King Samalot, Nick Soleil, Hello Neptune, and Average Hans? Avagons? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. And, uh, yeah, I don't really have a stake in this. I think it's cool that it's a category. But uh, I also, you know, if... The weight of the nominations is the way they say it. Well, it's not the weight of the nominations. The weight of the winners is 70% voting, 30% panelists. But I think that the way that nominations work is just through voting. So I guess these are four people that campaigned heavily to get nominated for the Hidden Gem Award, which is cool. Best IRL streamer, best roleplay streamer, best Valorant streamer. I think it's really funny that Valorant gets its own category, by the way. It's like... It's interesting because League of Legends gets its own category. Valorant gets its own category. But then you've got genres like best MMORPG, best strategy game, best Souls-like, right? And then you've got best chess, which chess is a popular category for streaming, but it's not, I, I may be wrong, I don't think it's top 10. So it's interesting that it's got its own category. It might be top ten actually. Let me let me just go to Twitch real quick right now and check to see if it's in the top live categories at the moment. That'll that's usually a pretty good indicator because they rarely they rarely change. Uh, let's see. Uh, chess is not in the top ten. Let me go. Let me just go straight to the category. Yeah, there's 10,000 viewers for chess right now, which is not in the top 10, not in the top 20, not even in the the top 30 categories. So yeah, very interesting that chess has its own category. Maybe a bit of favoritism there. I'm all about it, though. You got best Minecraft streamer. Rising Star Award. Rising Star. Uh, I'm not sure how this one's different than the Hidden Gem one. I think it's like... A streamer that's growing really fast? I don't know. Stream game of the year. I found this to be kind of a funny category. So you've got Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Valorant, and Minecraft. I just, I just don't want God of War Ragnarok to win. Sorry. Valorant, though. Well. Best content organization... Uh now these aren't esports organizations to be fair. These are like content houses. So you've got Offline TV, which is probably my favorite to win. Uh I'm re- I'm both rooting for them and I think they'll they'll actually win. Offline TV has people like uh Scara, Disguised Toast, Michael Reeves, Lily Pichu. I think Pokimane's still in it. She was for a while. OTK Network is another one, which uh, I hope they don't win. <laughs> no offense. OTK has people like uh, disgraced streamer Mizkif, who's back now. Asmongold, Fond, a lot of other people. Emiru, Hundred Thieves is nominated. That's the Content organization founded by Shot. They've got a really funny studio tour on YouTube. I should make a reaction video at some point. It's it's just like overbranded and stuff. They walk into rooms where people are clearly expecting them. And then they are just like, oh, hey, Nate, how's it going? Well, We're just here working on some content. And then there's one called V Shoujo, which I'm guessing is like a VTuber thing. I don't know. But yeah, like I said, I think offline TV is going to win this one. You got Best Philanthropic Stream Event, which is almost assuredly going to be won by Jacksepticeye's Thankmas. But Dr. Lupo's Build Against Cancer could be a dark horse here. Best VTuber, where they've got four VTubers, but Iron Mouse is going to win that one, so I'm not sure why they're even bothering. Uh, Best Streamed Event, which are four things I didn't come see, (laughs) so I'm not really familiar. Best Just Chatting Streamer, which... I think Hassan Abhi is going to win this one. How do you spell it? How do you pronounce that? His name is Hassan. Hassan Abhi. I always want to say Hassan Abhi like it's all one word. I think he's going to win that one, but Iron Mouse is also nominated for that, so they could win too. I don't know. Best Variety Streamer, which XQC is nominated, so I assume they'll win. But it could also be Dog I'm I'm personally rooting for I'm Dante in this category. League of Their Own Award, Uh, Ludwig is nominated here, so, I mean, (laughs) I don't see why they wouldn't win this, but I hope it's someone else. Gamer of the Year, now this is more of an esports thing, Uh, and then Streamer of the Year, the big one. This is going to be between XQC, Kaisenet, who we talked about last week, just hit 300,000 paid subscribers by the way broke the record broke Ludwig's record and uh yeah it's uh well he streamed for like a million billion hours last month (laughs) dominated the watch time he also won streamer of the year last year Kai did so who knows Hassan also nominated and surprisingly Jerma985 who I would love to see win streamer of the year I would love to see Jerma win Jerma's kind of, you know, no offense to these other guys. Jerma's kind of the everyday layman of the streamer awards. I feel like Jerma's kind of, uh, he's just a more old school personality. And he's caught on somehow in the more mainstream streaming community. So I'm definitely rooting for him to win. But and like I said, Kai won last year. And he just broke the all-time sub-record. He's bigger than he ever has been now. So I don't see why he wouldn't win Streamer of the Year. But like I said, rooting for Jerma. Just don't think it's going to happen. Jerma has a very dedicated fan base, though. The fact that Jerma, you know, he's a popular streamer. But the fact that he's up there with Kai, XQC, and Hassan is... That's just a testament to how loyal the audience is. What do Jerma fans call themselves? Jerma heads? heads? I don't know. Ger- they should just call themselves germs. With a J. Yeah, I'm a germ. So yeah, those are the streamer awards. Just went over them. Very, very interesting. We'll see how it goes next week. Because by then, the show will have happened. I'll be tuning in, checking it out. I usually skip and just look at who won. But now that I've got this podcast, I've got to pay attention to what's going on in the industry. I'll bring my reporting back next week. I'm a reporter now. Yeah. No, no, maybe not. You actually have to have credentials to be a reporter. Yeah, I think that's going to do it. I'll leave you with one last thing for streaming. I know I talk a lot about streaming, but it's because there's the most going on with streaming right now. We, I, I looked at some... Graphs on Twitter, and I think this confirms a lot of what everyone already knew, but uh, streaming on Twitch fell by a lot over 2022. In Q1 2022, that's, uh, that's business talk for quarter one, by the way, there were 6.1 billion watch hours on Twitch, and this, is, the, the, this data comes from um, an organization called Stream Hatchet. They pull this from the API and stuff. And then by Q4 of 2022, um, in that quarter, they had had 5.4 billion watch hours on Twitch. So that's a fall of 0.7 billion watch hours site-wide on Twitch, which a lot of that, you know, we could do a whole episode on that, but a lot of that has to do with, people going back to work after the pandemic. And I think a lot of people, frankly, got kind of burned out on watching streamers. I think because, you know, the pandemic numbers were good for everybody, but it wasn't going to last. But I think we're even maybe, I'll have to look. I wouldn't be surprised if we started falling, falling below pre-pandemic numbers. Because not only are people going back to work, going back to their regular lives now, But they're also, I think, maybe ready to get back to everything to the point where they're like, I'm just—I don't think I'm gonna even spend much of my spare time watching streams because I did it so much over the past couple years. People are kind of over it, so I don't know. It's just just something to look out for in the in the remainder of 2023. See, I gotta diversify my income. That's why I'm doing this podcast for free. I'm not making any money from it. How do you monetize a podcast? Uh, Now, interestingly, Facebook gaming also took a huge plunge. They went from 0.8 billion watch hours in Q1, which is, I know, a laughable amount compared to Twitch's, to 0.3 billion in Q4. So Facebook streaming took a massive hit. What's most interesting about these numbers though is that YouTube stayed consistent at 1.1 billion watch hours in Q1 and 1.1 billion watch hours in Q4. So if you look at it that way, YouTube streaming has grown a bit just from the fact that it hasn't shrunk. (laughs) Facebook lost 0.5 billion watch hours over the year. Twitch lost 0.7 billion and YouTube stayed completely consistent. A lot of that is due to some of the, you know, new streamers that they got over the course of 2022 going over to YouTube. But, you know, that's not all of it. I have a feeling some algorithm shifts and some other things may have contributed uh, to it. We'll see if it keeps up, though, because this isn't taking into account the new focus that YouTube has on shorts and competing with TikTok, which I imagine is going to get in the way of their streaming focus. So I'm not sure that YouTube streaming is gonna stay where it is. I think uh the shorts are gonna kinda of take away from that, which they really started leaning into towards the end of Q4 last year. So I, you know, the these are just numbers from last year. We'll see how twenty twenty three goes. But it's something to keep an eye on. I will say, you know, like I said last week though, it it is easy to be like, ha ha, egg on your face, Facebook gaming, because you know, most people don't like Facebook just as a corporation, or Meta, as it's called now. However, it is sad to see Facebook gaming fall so much, because it's just one less competitor for YouTube, uh, YouTube and Twitch, and they need competition desperately, like I said last week, in last week's episode. They desperately need the competition. We need to encourage this and it's, it's a bad sign that Facebook streaming has fallen so much I mean still you know it, these are still numbers that are much higher than what Mixer achieved before it went down so I don't think Facebook gaming is in danger of dying just yet but if, if, if I know anything about these big corporations they're not happy about this it, it made the Zuck frown he's doing his little robot frown right now he does not like seeing the number go down. Number go down equals Zuck frown. But yeah, that's uh, that's about all I got for this week, for this episode of Influenza. Thank you for listening. Feel free to give me some feedback on social media. I got like mostly 100% positive feedback last time. So, uh, great. <laughs> I mean... I'm basically just talking for 45 minutes and like uploading it and not thinking about it again. So this is sort of a stream of consciousness thing, but you know, I do want to make it good. There's no video component yet. Cause I don't feel like building out a little fake studio and <laughs> what am I going to do? Have a, have a guest over, you know, I was watching, I was actually watching, I was like, how did the big dogs do it? So I was watching the impulsive podcast which is logan paul's podcast where they basically do the same thing they talk about the industry but they have you know big name guests on that i would never be able to get and it was interesting hearing them talk um i had some thoughts on it (laughs) but you know maybe that's best saved for another time anyway thanks for tuning in and uh i'll see you next week Or whenever the next episode is. Might be two weeks. Depends on how much there is to talk about, I think. But yeah, thanks for listening. And I'll speak to you later. Bye-bye.